technology nowadays. Your 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 phone microphone is Our really good. Oh my goodness, Bruce, you haven't aged the day. <laughs> you have the one ring or something. Only a few. <laughs> well, I actually went out, man, and I bought one of those uh, pop sockets. Yeah. This morning, yeah, yeah. so I could just stand up my phone. I so. well, I really appreciate that. I mean, you. Uh, it, I guess what you're saying is you invested into this hour monetarily. I did. Well, I appreciate monetarily. that. <laughs> well, this is exciting. I mean, um, you know, I always like to do like a soft opening into the podcast, uh-huh. and it's it's just much more conversational. It's just you and me right now. It's not live or anything like that, so there's no pressure there. But um, man, it is so good to see you. I mean, the last time we talked was I think in, in the summer, right? Last yeah, I'm trying to remember when the last time. <laughs> yeah, it was it at ACSD, was. I feel like. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep, you're right. Although we've been, so. I feel like we've been texting. I feel like we've uh, increased our texting to each other by like 300%. We have, and I've, I've kept in mind your challenge, man. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Respond in five minutes. You know, I didn't realize that that uh, text would be memorable or significant in any way. I was more being... Uh, just joking, but I pre- I appreciate that you kind of took that to heart. Uh, the other week, um, this might make you laugh. The other week, uh, my RAs told me that I'm bad at texting. Bad. Really? Yes, yes, and it was a shocker. That's, that's hard to believe. Oh my gosh, I I just I questioned my self awareness at that point because I was like, wait, really? I'm really not good at texting. They're like, no, you're not. And I guess the new generation is just on the next level when it comes to texting. Yeah, I, that is probably true. So they they do have it supposedly underneath their pillows and such. So right. Well, man, um, it brings up you know it brings back a lot of memories talking to you face to face, and I'm excited to have this very intentional conversation about a lot of different things. So hopefully, you're ready for that. Do you feel yes. ready? Yes. Okay, awesome. I feel ready. Well, I, I really appreciate just the time that you are. Um, allotting and giving to me this is just really fun for me and and um and you you know i've told you many times um i love talking with you i've had many Mm -hmm. great memories about not just the work we do but the the you know the type of life that christ compels us to live and so we're going to dive into all of that um and so i'm going to just do my little intro and then we'll kind of just continue our casual conversation you got your coffee you got my coffee okay, I went, went to the Keurig and I do want to say man that I've been really looking forward to this because I remember um I remember you like being in the comments and you talking about doing a podcast as right. like something that you would love to do and to actually see it come to fruition this last year has been awesome and I've gotten a chance to listen uh to a number of different episodes and uh it's been awesome yeah, you do yeah, a great yeah. job. Well, thank you. I mean, I feel like I, I feel the support. I feel your support and just um, being a part of it. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that, thank you for saying that. And I, yeah, I remember those conversations I had with you in, in our one-on-one. So anyways, well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of An Educated Life. This is a Christian higher education podcast where we invite special guests who work and serve students who've uh, kind of dedicated their life to uh, serving our college students today. And on this podcast, we like to talk about, as we say, life outside of the classroom, because we know that much of the college experience, development, growth, all of that happens um, 
collectively, both inside and out. But here, we talk to professionals and experts and leaders who excel at helping students grow outside of the classroom. With me today is uh, Dr. Bruce R. Norquist. Um, he is the Associate Dean of Students and Director of Residence Life at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Bruce, you've worked there for over 10 years now. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Yep. 10 we'll years plus, right? Coming upon my 11th at, at the, uh, well, finishing up my 11th at the end of this year. So That's awesome. That is amazing. Um, he is married to Catherine and have three lovely children, Annika, Brielle, and Isaiah. And are you a pet mm-hmm. owner? You, I am a pet owner, uh, one dog, and right. uh, my oldest daughter has a bunny. So oh, you, Emmy, well, Emmy, Emmy and Maple. Emmy and Maple, all right. Emmy's the dog and Maple's the bunny. So we did have a cat too, but I was allergic, and so we had to exile it out oh, of the house. Oh, no. Well, I'm glad that happened. Hopefully there wasn't too many tears. There were quite a few. <laughs> I think I think we got her to a good home. So, oh, good. And yeah. one last fun fact: he happens to be my former boss, and so mm-hmm. it's it's wonderful to be with you, Bruce, here again uh, with another. Let's just call it a one-on-one. Uh, yeah, a, a post uh, one-on-one, and um, yeah, just Bruce. Like I said, I'm just really excited to uh, talk with you. I think you're a great conversationalist. Mm-hmm. I think you're a very wise person. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the three things that we like to talk about here on this podcast is, you know, education, the story, you know, the stories that you have about your former um, life as a student in education, mm-hmm. as well as your professional career in higher ed, as well as culture and faith and just, you know, fun little things here and there as well. Mm-hmm. So let's me, let me just start off by asking you, like, how are you? How are you during this part of the semester? You were, you were telling me through email that you had just gone through all right, selection and stuff like that. But how are you doing? We know that spring can get really hectic, really busy fast. But Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, in higher ed, February is probably the worst month of the academic year. I feel um, because uh, especially here in Chicago, it's been a long winter and people have been cooped up and... Uh, you know, throughout most of February, spring break is far enough away that uh, it doesn't provide that kind of like physical, tangible hope of uh, progressing uh, through the semester. And so uh, we are there now. We're almost to spring break at the end of this week. We'll be uh, kind of saying goodbye to the students for a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Two weeks, a two week spring break here. So lucky. Which, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think things have gone well. We've had a less eventful uh, spring semester than we did um, in comparison to fall semester that's regarding good. student care and uh, conduct. And yep. so that's been good. Yep. Uh, and then I actually, on Thursday, my daughter is having uh, knee surgery. And so I'll be out of the office from uh, this Thursday through the following week. And so, so in some respects, um, it's I'm I'm almost coming upon my own little break yeah. away as well. I'm sorry to hear so, that. Was it a serious 
accident or injury or what? No, it's more of a developmental thing. She's okay. had the same surgery on the other knee. Okay. Um, okay. And she, uh, the current knee c- uh, can dislocate. And so she's just uh, going in and getting that repaired and fixed. And so, okay. yeah, it's fascinating what they can do nowadays. Right. So, right. Yeah, but they probably don't like do that on us older fellas anymore. They're like, no, let's not waste these wonderful new breakthroughs in technology and medicine on yep. <laughs> people past It'll, their prime. <laughs> let's wait until they need a full hip replacement or something oh my gosh, like that. I remember that. Yeah, with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth connectivity, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Bruce, I was one. I was wondering if you could share just a little bit about your student journey. Um, mm. it, let me let me test my memory here. Um, I, f- I feel like I know at least three institutions that you were a part of as a student, mm-hmm. but correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. You were at Ball State mm-hmm. and that's in Indiana, correct? Correct. And was yep. that, was that for your grad or is that undergrad? Yeah, that was for my master's in Mas- yeah. uh, college student personnel or student development. Okay. And then you, I remember you were definitely at Loyola for your, your doctorate, doctorate. degree. Where did you go mm-hmm. for undergrad? For my undergrad, it was uh, Wheaton. That's College. right. That's right. Wheaton, yep. the most obvious one. I wasn't sure. <laughs> Wheaton. Yeah. And so, um, I guess one of the first things I wanted to talk to you about was, and it's something that I don't think I ever even asked you, but like, what do you feel like your journey as a college student, and then leading up to your master's and your doctor program, like? Let's talk about undergrad mainly. Mm-hmm. Like, what what do you feel like? What kind of foundation was laid for you during your undergraduate years that helped you kind of give you direction towards basically where you're at today? And yeah. like, how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. I I look back on my career, and um, really, it was my RA year, uh, my junior year, that uh, really was the the seed of my own vocational journey. Um, I look back at my college years, there's a lot of growth that took place during those four years. Um, there's a lot of uh, insecurity, I think, that I wrestled with, a lot of anxiety that I wrestled with. And um, when I think of my own college experience, I, I, uh, I definitely was connected to people my freshman and sophomore year, but my junior and senior year, kind of the dividing line between uh, the two halves of my college experience was my RA experience. And, um, I got placed in a building that, uh, I wasn't my choice. Um, but I ended up getting placed in, in, uh, kind of a community in which I developed really rich relationships. And so, um, one of my really good friends, uh, I still stay in touch with, um, his name is Ben and he was an RA with me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so when I look back on my RA experience, um, that really, uh, really even planted the seed of this being a possible option for my vocation. So, um, but it's quite funny because I, I look at my experience and like I said, I wrestled with a lot of insecurity, a lot of anxiety. And um, I think back to my uh, RA 
interview, which it actually was on Valentine's Day. And it was a, a winter snowstorm going on in the day. I remember walking over to the interview, but I was interviewed by the dean of students, the VP and dean of students, and then like four other male RS, RDs or RSs. And uh, that was like the feedback I got. I thought I did well within that uh, interview context, but the RD that eventually hired me was like, Bruce, I've never seen uh, someone so nervous in oh, wow. the midst of an interview as you were. Oh my goodness. And so, so it's kind of ironic when I look back at my uh, vocational career, like that moment of weakness planted the seed for my vocational journey, which mm-hmm. I, uh, I find uh, kind of a deep sense of satisfaction seeing like how God has used, God used that. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. And no, that's so interesting. I mean, so one thing I know about you is that you, uh, you're an introvert, uh-huh. right? And yep. I, for, I forget your, uh, your Myers-Briggs. You're an I... An INFP. That's Okay, yes. That's what I would have guessed. Um, well, wife, Catherine, would argue that I'm an ISFP. Um, ISFP, okay, okay. My S and N are very interchangeable. Now, what do you feel like was... Um, yeah, so your your interviewer who ultimately hired you said, yeah, you look nervous. <laughs> no one has ever been as nervous as you. But what was the upside? What was the potential that they were seeing in you? Yeah. Yeah, and the feedback that I had gotten was like I, uh, he was thinking like, wow, this is someone who has a lot of courage to do something that is very scary for him and to be able to step into it and to um, – step even step into the experience even in the midst of the the fear that I, that he saw mm-hmm. um i think that's what he would say kind of drew his eyes towards my ra candidacy mm-hmm. and so. what sort of like personal or you know educational or just social insecurities that you mentioned were you specifically dealing with during those formative years hmm oh gosh um like there's, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure. Wait, why don't reframe the sure. question a little bit? And, sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I guess I could ask it a different way. Like you mentioned that you were nervous, but like mm-hmm. what thoughts or what feelings or what beliefs about yourself or others kind of like triggered that or like made you feel that nervousness? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I can look back on my experience and kind of re-understand my experience now in light of what I know about right. myself, but I wouldn't have been aware of this at all. Right. But there was a deep sense of uh, un- not worthiness or unworthiness, um, a, a deep sense of probably just believing lies yeah. about myself. Um and, um, so, uh, yeah, it's been interesting because I, 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 I don't think it was until later in life that I realized how pervasive, um, anxiety was within my own experience. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like, I was at that point in time, I was just like a fish swimming in water, mm-hmm. um, didn't know 
what the water was. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, thanks be to God, I can see so much growth that's taken place mm-hmm. and can understand my experience so much more now. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that you taught me was the power of of like telling your life story. I think when I became an RS at Moody, that was kind of even like, I would say one of the most like powerful things that I ever got to do, you know, and, and I'd never shared my life story before that really to any extent. But I know that one of the things that how you structure and program the culture in your department is that we all always start off with life stories, um, Mm -hmm. in the professional staff. Um, and so it's, I really appreciate you kind of saying like, now you look back and you're able to, um, you have a voice that you're able to kind of like understand the trajectory of like where you've been and the journey that you've been on. And so Mm -hmm. that's really interesting to me. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about, so like, you know, your RA, uh, opportunity at Wheaton afforded you, an opportunity to be mentored and uh, to work with other people who had a similar passion for you, uh, for college students, for serving, for community. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear like how you developed ultimately what what you would say you're passionate about today is. Like what 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 did that journey like kind of look like? Of like how did you start learning about what you were interested in and the work that you love to do? Um, what were some of those key touch points in that journey. Mm. Yeah. And so um, my journey right now is in the thick of higher education and in the midst of residence life. And there's um, so many things that I'm passionate about um, within the context within the, and the role that I play here, Um, whether it be caring for students coming alongside students in really hard um, situations, um, providing grace uh, to them, um, and providing support um, to students and staff as well. And so, um, I mean, I really have a deep desire for um, my own faith and for Jesus to be like real and not just kind of like this belief that I just cognitively assent to, but yeah. like, how do we make our faith fully um, kind of permeate through all of our ourselves and our entire being? Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes a long, long time. Um, so I know, uh, like even in college, I did have a desire to um, continue to go deeper. Um, and uh, so... Um, going deeper called me into places that were really scary. Like the RA position was one of those. Um, and, uh, even after, after college, I was, uh, out in the work world, uh, working at a bank for three years. And, um, I had felt compelled to go back and get my master's degree in, in, and, and get it. Um, but I wasn't sure what I I wanted to do it in, Mm -hmm. at least when I first graduated, but, the RA experience placed that, that, uh, seed, like I said before in me, and it, it remained there for the three years I was out at, after college. And I kind of took that as like, you know, maybe this, this, uh, desire, this, this, um, kind of direction that it feels like I've 
has been there is God's way of speaking to me as mm-hmm. opposed to like uh, waiting to see him give me an audible voice or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I look at it at an, another crossroads in my vocational career was actually deciding to leave the banking field and um, go get my master's in student development. Mm-hmm. And so um did that in, at Ball State, Muncie, Indiana, and uh, went uh, on. I wasn't, I, I didn't necessarily feel a call to residence life because there was still this sense that residence life is for those extroverts and those cheerleaders. And, right. Uh, right. The, the, and, uh, the Sarah Yusuf's of I don't, the world. The, the Sarah Yusuf's, <laughs> exactly. Um, and, uh, I, I look at my first job and I don't see my first job being necessarily, uh, like sought after by me, by these pure all encompassing motives, like fit and calling mm-hmm. as much as, um, there was an RD position that was open out in California at Biola university. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had family that was out there. So it's actually more the location of uh, Biola that kind of drew me into residence life. Um, I think if I was, I I do remember when I was looking back at potentially moving back to Chicago, I was looking outside of the world of residence life and like within other areas of student development. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so I worked as an RD for two years out at Biola Mm -hmm. and then kind of wrestled with like, is this like, what am I called to move back to Chicago and is residence life really that, that fit for me? And because I still kind of felt that, um, kind of being an introvert in an extroverted world and, uh, ended up through a series of events moving in in my third year to an RD position at Azusa Pacific Mm -hmm. university. And I look at that year as being like a like a critical point in my own vocational journey, because it was that year that I really became to understand, I came to understand that, you know, I as an introvert do have something to offer. Yes, that's right. And uh, (laughs) I ended up having, uh, you know, the the Azusa staff at that point in time, uh, in terms of extroversion and introversion had a wider range of diversity than, um, than, uh, Biola did, which there was nothing wrong with that. And I had a really great experience at Biola, amazing people there. Um, but I, I did feel more of like a, like a sense of seeing like even my boss who was an introvert, um, I kind of had people modeling what, what do we have to give, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, I look at that year as a year when I really started to hit my stride in terms of, uh, really believing that I, as an introvert belong in residence life. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I learned that from you too. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm an introvert as well. You hired me, uh-huh. Yeah. but, um, I think you left a huge impression on me in that regard of like, you know, let's acknowledge that there are certain advantages that different wirings have in the position mm-hmm. that we are in, in residence life. And I think that's just a reality that we have to deal with. Yet, I think there's an incredible treasure 
within many different types and different wirings and dispositions. And it, it takes that extra step sometimes to understand how that value or how that strength actually play, uh, plays out. And I feel like you taught mm. me that for sure. Mm, that's encouraging to hear. Yeah. Um, and I know that we do, we've, we've resonated as fellow introverts mm -hmm. uh, within the field of residence life. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I actually, I wanted to, there, there's two things that I wanted to kind of talk to you about that that's hopefully encouraging. Uh, one is, yeah, like, you know, in a lot of ways, and this is probably shared by all the people who are involved, um, you hired me at, uh, and I was, I, I was probably a very high risk gamble <laughs> <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, and I remember how unconventional the timing, uh, just the way that everything worked out, it was just an odd thing to happen to me in a lot of ways. I, and, I, and I often start off by telling people that I, uh, I fell into residence life and uh, gravity was named Bruce Norquist. <laughs> you know? And, mm. um, you know, when you were just talking about how, like, your time at Azusa really kind of um, like it, it made you come online of like, man, I have what it takes to be an effective leader and a professional and um, an educator in um, in residence life or, you know, those types of roles that that like it, it certainly played out that way where you took a chance on me. You saw something in me and you hired me. And, you know, I'm deeply forever appreciative of you giving me that chance because I look back on that time and it's unbelievable in, in some ways. Like mm -hmm. I, I question your judgment actually a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, don't question it. <laughs> but like, I, and we've talked about this maybe a couple of times before, but like, yeah, like you took a chance on me and that says a lot about you, but like, it also says something about your um, your love for developing people and seeing people's potentials. Like, talk to me a little bit about that. Like, how? Why is that so important to you? It feels like it's a very strong value. Mm, like the the developer aspect of yeah. me. Like that is one of my top five strengths. Yeah. And so, um, like, and I guess that, like I've been a beneficiary of that through my own career and experience as well. I mean to um, first of all, none of us are a, a finished product, right? right. Um, we're, we're, we'll read, readily cognitively, uh, assent to that. And yet there's so many different ways in which we, we like to think that we are more finished than we actually are. And so, um, so, um, but even just looking back in my own life, it's those, those people that saw something in me. Um, when I didn't see it in myself, um, that kind of in, in some senses reached out a hand to me to pull me up. But like those are the key moments and the key people in my life when I look back on on that. And um, it is one of those things where I can't look back on it and say, ascribe it to like, oh, that was me. Um, it was just a, all a matter of God and God's timing um, and bringing in people into my life who were, um, 
who had been transformed by him as well and and sensitive to um, reaching out to those who might not necessarily appear like the finished product. And right. so um, so there's a there's a there's a key part of my own story and probably my own uh, sense of identity that identifies with that uh, kind of that raw kind of unfinished person, but seeing growth in that because that's what my whole vocational career has been about. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I want to talk about leadership because I consider you an exceptional leader and uh, by far um, the four years that I spent with you working underneath you uh, were so um, enjoyable and profitable in so many ways. And I don't know if you heard uh, the podcast that I did, the episode I did with uh, Neil. Uh, I did. But, but Neil had an, a very profound and astute observation of at, at least one component, one major component of how you lead. And he, if you don't remember, he, he said, um, one of the most amazing things about you, Bruce, is that you're not afraid of other people having success around you. And that's actually something that you not only invite in, but you actually make that a foundational piece um, to the culture. And I remember, I mean, there's a lot of things I can say about just like what I perceived and my experience at Moody. But I, I feel like to do that, especially in a place like Moody, where I think at the time that I was there, um, it, you know, it could have totally been a feeling of like, there's not a lot of latitude. There's not a lot of room to roam or to, to um, explore and to express. But I felt like I had a tremendous free reign to pursue mm -hmm. the things that I wanted to pursue and talk about the things that I wanted to talk about. And Neil would echo that, right? He spent a long time underneath you, uh, mm -hmm. almost 10 years himself, but he never, you know, and his journey, even just within the institution at Moody, was also big and wide as well. And a lot mm -hmm. of that has to be attributed to how you lead. And um, mm -hmm. and I wanted you to just kind of speak into that yourself of like, like, can you just respond to that? Like, w what are your thoughts on that? And why is that? Why are people observing that in you? Mm. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I think it's it's humbling to get that feedback. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that is the type of leader that I would like to be. Um, I know externally, sometimes things can work out, it, it work their way out so that that's what definitely appears to be going on. And yet there's also an internal battlefield and struggle that you go through towards humility. Yeah, that's right. Um, that, is, that is real and... Um, in some ways, sometimes even more real than kind of what ends up kind of leaking out, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, as you mentioned, uh, <laughs> as you mentioned that, like not being threatened, I mean, it, one, I, I know internally what I, I think and feel and what I've thought and feel felt at different times. And I know a, that that's not fully true. <laughs> sure. um, but uh, I know that one 
you'll probably like this uh, imagery. One image that comes to mind um, when I think of talking with you men, I have to bring in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, um, there's that. Uh, there, there's a, a scene that is really powerfully ingrained in my mind that um, I I see as like a central part of our own Christian calling, which um, I'm going to struggle with the names, but uh, is it Galadriel? Yes. Who is the elf who, uh, like, she brings Frodo to the mirror? Right. Right. Um, But there's a point at which Frodo offers the ring to her, and um, she wrestles with um, gaining all of that power. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of the scene, she talks about how she's passed the test and um, she'll now go out to the West and diminish or, right. uh, or something like that. And um, she rejects the ring. I, yeah. She rejects the ring. Yeah. And, and then her, the rest of her life is lived as a descent. Um, and I think in many ways, even when I look at the Christian life calling, I think there's probably half of our life where we're building, we're, we're on that increase arc where we're building our life and our career. And um, there's a, a point at which I think that as we start to grapple more with our own uh, finiteness and our own mortality, that mm-hmm. you either make a decision to try to avoid dealing with that. And so you just keep trying to grab and, and gain for yourself, or you acknowledge your own finite, finiteness and start um uh, start moving down that descent and trying to build other people up. And so, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's, that's just what comes to my mind when you, when you ask me to, to respond to your, your feedback. Those are yeah. just some of my thoughts that come up. Yeah. I think the way that I would also just, just add a footnote to, to that is that you're the type of supervisor or director or boss or just the leader who, who genuinely cares for those underneath your charge. Mm-hmm. And I think often leadership is earned through excellence and self-achievement. Mm-hmm. And you've certainly um, been an achiever and someone very successful, but you never allow that to, to pri- be prioritized over um, the growth and the journey and the development of others. And I think that is the sign of a true leader. Um, you know, Jim Collins talks about a, a level five leader and there's two poles that make up a level five leader. A level four leader um, at, at his, his or her center is selfish, right? <clears throat> and, and, and selfish for good, but ultimately selfish for self-expression and self-achievement and things like that. But a level five leader incorporates that humility and is always readily willing to listen first, always willing to gather a collaborative mm-hmm. spirit and culture. But he has, he or she has that um, conviction in that belief, in that drive. And it's a paradox, right? And, and I feel like you embody that in, in many ways. And so I genuinely feel like um, because of the way that you led, it allowed me to get to a point where I also found kind of my, you know, my stride 
and kind of like my confidence in how I'm wired and how I'm disposed. And then ultimately, um, you allowed me to foster my love and my creativity and my passion for students. And so I just want you to know, like, I've ho- I, hopefully you've heard this before, but I want you to know mm-hmm. like how much, um, just the way that you, w- you would lead on a day-to-day basis. Um, it definitely left uh, a huge, like it inspired me. It was uh, mm-hmm. something that definitely has shaped how I think about, you know, organizational health or how you mm-hmm. serve those underneath you or how you ultimately be a good supervisor. And you also did a lot of like really little cool things that I think ultimately I look back now, like those are significant, even though they're little, but you were so good at like being aware of like any decision or anything that like impacts us internally also has a way of rippling out. And so you were Mm -hmm. very, very mindful of like, how do we think through process? How do we think through communication? How do we think through like, okay, even if this is a decision that I'm making and, you know, I'm the director, I, you know, have final say, there's a way to go about it where it's not about gathering other people's opinions to affect the decision, but you also realize like decisions affect other people, no matter how it comes down, top down, grassroots, whatever. So there needs to be communication, not just within the department, but interdepartmentally and things like that. And I remember like, you were just so very sensitive to the overall institutional framework. And I think that's something that I've also really appreciated about you. It's something that I respected so much because I think in a lot of ways you prevent, you were very preventative. Like there, you know, it's, it's hard to be thanked for doing like preventative work, you know, you know what I mean? By fostering good health. Like if you go to Mm -hmm. your, your doctors and they just go, yeah, you listen to what I said, you have a clean bill of health. Like we always have that feeling of like, why did I come today? I'm healthy. You know what I mean? But I feel like that's super important that I feel like you knew and you were able to anticipate and predict some of those traps and those hard spots that could have happened if you, you weren't mindful of like how to communicate, how to lead, how to gather information, how to listen to others, and ultimately like empower others to also buy into what your vision and what your direction was within the department as well. So that's really cool. Hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I know, I mean, part of that I think is, is kind of what I would see just the job of any leader doing in many respects, the, the, you lead people. And so you, you lead kind of people below you, you lead your peers and you lead upward. Mm -hmm. Um, But in many respects, you're kind of also a translator from like those people who are above you to those who are below you and vice versa. Right. And uh, so, um, I mean, I think that that's, uh, it's, it's uh, uh, important skill that we as leaders need to have and um, hone and develop. Um, But it is a, a a hard skill to, to uh, develop. Um, Just because, yeah, you're kind of in the middle and, uh, I think it's easier to either be just the pure follower or the pure leader. Um, yeah. so, but do remember too, though, that like, like I do, it is gratifying and, and I am grateful to hear, um, just kind of some of the things and the ways, um, that you 
have seen my own leadership help you. And, uh, and, and don't forget too, that there's a key part of that. You are a key component of that. And right. there's a lot that you did, um, that added so much to our team. And, um, even in, in thinking about like, you know, the, like we can joke about like it being a, a risk decision, but not, if you look at it and how everything's played out, like it wasn't a risk at all. Like you're so qualified for what you're doing and you bring so much innovation um, and thoughtfulness to this position, um, to the role that you, you play, not just at uh, George Fox, but, uh, like you're, you're engaging in a podcast that goes, um, even beyond that. So, um, so yeah, yeah. In, in retrospect, I don't think it was a risk at all. Yeah. I felt like you were going to say something like that because you're a nine and like, you, you just want everything to have equity, like equal That's right. opportunity. <laughs> yep. But, um, we love the Enneagram here. Yeah, yep. that's right. But I, to, I, I, you know, there's times when I could see your one wing and I could, there's times when I saw your eight wing come out very, very well. And so I feel like you were a very, very healthy nine in that mm. way. Um, now, that would be that would be interesting at some point to to hear how that one and eight wing came out, because those would probably be places within my own leadership that are blind spots to me, because I think of mean? myself so strongly as a nine. Well, yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah. Have you like, like, have you thought about, um, are like you know about the wings, right, and how they kind of relate to your core? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, there's just times when I think you had a really good sense of like how we move forward. You were very um, directive. Um, there was times when you you led through your conviction, which I think nines often do. Um, or I'm sorry, ones often do, which I, you know, I'm a one. And so like, I know that part of it a little bit more. And eights are places where I think, you know, even though you are a peacemaker, I think one of the things that you, um, also invited was challenge. Mm. Like, I don't think you were ever like off when it came to conflict. I, you, I, we, you know, I, I shared many rooms with you when we did, conduct meetings or when we had debate or when we've had we we had like internal arguments or discussions or debates and you were not checked out you were definitely like full on yeah we need to talk about this i remember one summer right before the semester started where you wanted to address some of those um misalignment feelings that we had within the department amongst RSs as well as, um, you know, with, with yourself as well as Rachel, the housing director at the time. Do you remember that? I don't know. If yeah. you, uh, do you do that still? Because I think that was one of the best things you've ever done, <laughs> at least while I was there. I think what you're probably referring to is the, was that towards the end of the year when we uh, did kind of an exercise when we were talking about um, kind of who your hero is. Yeah, we were we were like in Wheaton and we were at that one place. Um, oh, yeah. Do you remember that? I think that's what I'm referring to. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that was kind of at the beginning of that year. And um, I think that was a really hard conversation and people um, within our staff had a number of different reactions to that, I think. And there were some that kind of walked away from that uh, conversation and didn't, didn't like it at all. I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I forget which one I was. I, I don't I genuinely don't remember if I was the former or the latter. But I yeah. look back on it and I thought it was a great thing. Mm-hmm. But like um I never asked you like how you came up with that. But I think the way that you did it was just so intentional and so sophisticated that even though mm-hmm. people walked away with it like feeling challenged and feeling like vulnerable, um I don't know, maybe I'm just just completely oblivious to the after effects of that but i i look back on it and i i definitely think that it was a helpful piece i still remember mm. it at least and i think it yeah. helped me at least understand my colleagues and like these weren't like outrageously egregious things they were just like you know you work together for a long time we we're in a very stressful job at times and then you know that stuff just happens it's like weeds we have to like you know we have to uh deal with those things and i think those are normal parts of like any sort of working relationship but yeah i just want you to know that 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 was like one of my favorite things that you ever did as a supervisor oh wow yeah that was i i think that was the the year that we were we that was our second year there um and yeah it's like how do how do we as a staff like like not just we were very good at uh, encouraging and building each other up. And yet there's also a sense that, you know, I think that there's things underneath the surface that we need to yeah. be a little bit more honest about. Yeah. Uh, and that's hard to do. I think like that's almost like an, a yearly task that you have to do with a team is to, because uh, usually the team building, it's easy to do the stuff where everyone's connecting and meshing. But how do you lead individual relationships through those places of conflict where people can voice them and raise those um, concerns, be heard, and then also hear from others as right. well? Right. But you went there. And so I think that's that's like you fought for vulnerability and authenticity and for truth Mm. and grace to come out and i think often um that is a challenge that is that can go so wrong so fast um but i felt like i mean you might have i'm sure you felt all of it you i mean yeah like all of it was directed towards you in a lot of ways right so you feel both the positive and the negative but Mm -hmm. ultimately i think you kind of took that upon yourself almost like courageously of like, yeah, we're going to go here. I don't know how it's going to all work mm-hmm. out, but, um, so I think that was, I don't know. We should do that more universally as people. <laughs> well, and, and those are hard things to do because, yeah. uh, usually those type of conversations are raw conversations yeah. and you walk away from that and you're, you're, Potentially everyone is leaving with a little bit more of an unsettled, um, insecure feeling. And it's so easy in those, in the midst of those conversations or even after those conversations to base, um, 
kind of your own view of whether that was helpful or not, or whether whether if you did a good job leading people through on how the people immediately respond. Right. And uh, I think um, there's so much of leadership where you you step into it and in those, especially in those raw places where you can't use the immediate response of someone else or of a team in general to be the litmus test as to whether you did something, whether it be well or not, effective, I guess, is the better word. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. um, There's almost like engaging in the conversation. We don't know where this is going to go. And at the end of the day, I'm ultimately going to have to trust that God's going to do something with this. Yeah. Well, Bruce, we're here at the end of our hour. It goes quick. We only wow. got through like two of the 13 topics that I had planned. <laughs> but I always like to end with some rapid fire questions in order to end on kind of like a more fun, lighthearted note. Um, but before we go into that, is there anything else that you wanted to say or mention or talk about briefly for like a minute or two? Uh <laughs> for a minute or two that's a that's a, a tough question to, to unpack you know yeah. me i could no, start so talking true. for probably about 20 minutes so i better restrain and refrain no it's good myself. maybe maybe something will come up after the rapid fire questions and then we'll we'll talk about it then okay all right bruce these are exciting for me to ask you um i know that you have a strong p in you but you have to fight that today you have to do a little bit of your j and answer these <laughs> rapidly. Okay. I'm a little nervous about this, man. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right. Cat or dog? Dog. Yeah. Summer or winter? Summer. Mm-hmm. Breakfast or dinner? Uh, definitely dinner. Dinner? More. You're a dinner yep. guy. Are yeah, you, are... it's got... My breakfast is the same every day. <laughs> and dinner is like, it provides the variety of my Bruce, meals. I feel like you have a lot of control over your breakfast. It doesn't have to be the same. <laughs> well, it, maybe it's just the time of morning that I'm getting up. I just kind of fall into a default. Dancing, <laughs> default dancing or singing? Singing. Yes, I know that about you. Backstreet Boys <laughs> is your favorite jam. That, oh, yeah. Boy bands. Books or movies? Uh, books. Yeah. Tea or coffee? Definitely coffee. Mm -hmm. Football or basketball? Uh, Football. Board game or card game? Hmm. This is tough. Um, I'd probably have to default to um, board games just because that's the season that my kids are. Yeah. Season of life my kids are in. So, yep. Hug or handshake? Uh, let's see. Uh, it depends, I yep. guess. And that's not, that's not a, a rapid fire answer, I yeah, guess, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> you're already breaking the rules. Yep. Uh, probably the safest thing to go with would be the handshake. Totally. Totally. Text or phone call. Do you text mm-hmm. more or do you, do you call more still? Uh, you know, I, texting, uh, 
takes less emotional energy. So I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm, I'm starting to lean more towards texting, but, uh, I still have a ways to go in my own responsiveness wow. growth. Wow. So scary movie or rom-com? <laughs> rom-com yeah. wait define rom-com romantic comedy oh romantic oh i rom-com yeah yeah um scary movie type of person totally i think uh sixth sense would probably be my kind of that outward range of that yeah that wasn't genre. scary. yeah that wasn't scary <laughs> at all <laughs> Uh, joke or riddle? Uh, joke. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty dollars. What do you buy? Mm, Twenty dollars. Uh. Oh, that's a good like. Take twenty dollars to yoke. Yeah. Down the street here. I, I miss and, that restaurant. Like. Yeah. Go out for nice. Uh, Wait, say that again. Say that, that the internet just broke for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, just so that I think uh, yoke going out for a nice lunch. Yeah. Down the street. What's your favorite meal to cook? Mm, uh, dinner. Mm -hmm. And I've more recently gotten into like kind of Indian curries. So yeah. the last couple of weeks I've been making those. And those awesome. are fun to to make wow that's awesome yeah i, I want to try it next time in chicago <laughs> Actually, there you go come on over all right oh i mean i had this question here but karaoke what what song do you sing we all know oh my goodness oh what what, what would be your answer it's that, that backstreet boy song what's that oh, song? oh yeah called? the uh you are my fire yeah 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 yeah, yeah. That's, your, <laughs> that's your jam that's your signature song that is my jam all right. Although I'm trying to think, like, what else? I've been more recently into, like, Lauren Daigle, but I don't think I could probably pull off her vocal range. So, Okay. But you would try at a karaoke? If I'd I'm... probably try, yeah. yeah. Uh, what is your favorite social media app? Which one do you use the most? So social media app, are you just talking about, like, the, the traditional, like, yeah. Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitter? You know, I, I'm still one of those. I'm still one of those Facebook people. You're a Facebook That's, person. Uh, yeah. I'm, I think that probably defines older people. Yeah. Or Facebook is more Florida. out of the. Yeah, Facebook is Florida now. It's just it's just all <laughs> us older people now. <laughs> We're experiencing here in Chicago is not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, what is your f most favorite word? Oh, my most favorite word. Hmm. That that's not like a rapid fire question. I mean, it's it's just your gut reaction. What's your favorite word to say? Hmm. Well, this is I don't know if this is my favorite, but it's the only word that came to mind. Confluence. Confluence. Okay. What's your least favorite word to say? Moist. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> What's your favorite sound? <laughs> my favorite sound. Hmm. How about play ball? Yeah. Yeah. You're a huge baseball fan. I know you are. Yep. Um, 
Who's one person that, that inspires you a lot? Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think one person that, um, oh gosh, I could go so many different directions and like, there's probably so many different right answers that mm -hmm. I could say, but I'm presume that you're kind of wanting someone a little bit more obscure. It's whoever it's, it's like first person that comes to mind. That's why these are rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, Hmm. There's so many different people coming to mind, though. How do you pare it down? Um, of course, like family. Yep. I, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Like, That's valid. Like, so my wife, my two daughters, yep. even my son, who is always dressed as Batman now. Wow. Um, so uh, those four-year-old yeah. kind of trends. Um I would say one person that I've been reading a lot of is, uh, well, one book has been "Thanks for the Feedback," um, Sheila Heen. Sheila Heen. Um, and so I've, I've, I, I don't get inspired necessarily by I haven't watched her how she lives, but just in terms of the message that she gives, um, that's been something that's had a powerful impact on me. Favorite brand or company? Hmm. Trader Joe's. Oh, yes. That's a good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> and I'd probably say uh, Toyota as well. You're forever Toyota person? I am forever a Toyota person. We're at war. I'm forever uh -oh. Honda. Oh, forever my Honda. goodness. <laughs> um, what's your favorite book? Hmm. That is difficult because there's so many different <laughs> genres. I know you love so, books. Um, one of my favorite leadership books is, is the, uh, practice of adapted, adaptive leadership. Um, that is such a profound and rich book that I would encourage anyone to read. Yeah. So when do you feel you're at your strongest? Hmm. I'm at my strongest, I think when I'm able to detach myself from the story lines of yeah. my head. Yeah. So, um, and just be fully present. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. When do you feel like you're at your weakest? Hmm. Probably what the kind yeah. of the inverse of that totally. when I'm like kind of wrapped up in all of the different things, the, the, the storylines that I have in my head and the different um, conclusions that I've come to in the past. Yeah. So that's real. And then here's the final question. What is one life philosophy that you live by every day? Hmm. Trying to think. I would say a phrase that comes to mind um, is uh, still waters run deep. Mm. And so um, that would be kind of more of the internal, like kind of that emphasis on peace and yeah. um, uh, being secure and grounded in who I am. And yeah. um, so um Another one that's a, that's a little bit more catchy would probably be 
uh, you spot it, you got it. And... <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> so those things that you, you usually about, the things. Are you talking about changing diapers? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope not that. <laughs> I don't know if that applies to everything, but <laughs> it's kind of those things that you see in others that you that you tend to disdain or dislike uh, uh, right. is usually a um, some type of function of something you don't like about yourself. Wow. That's so true. That's more true than I'd like to believe. Mm. Well, Bruce, that's it. I mean, man, I wish I had like three hours with you. I'm sure you would, you don't feel that way, but I do. And I wait well, no, I, I, I'd love to have three hours with you. Uh, talk about so many so, things. Totally. Like this totally was one of those experiences of like, Hey, this is just bringing me back to our one-on-ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, um, well, this is pretty much, uh, the end of this episode. Uh, thanks so much for listening to an educated life podcast. Um, if you enjoy podcasts like these, please give us a five-star review, leave a comment, subscribe, wherever podcasts are found. And um, throughout these next few months, we'll be rolling out these episodes um, uh, more and more. And yeah, Bruce, I really appreciate just like just the short hour that we got to spend together. We talked about some really, really cool things. Um, You know, I deeply, deeply know the work that you do. We didn't even cover all the all the other things about student care, about faith and culture, about where students at Moody and other similar institutions are in our modern day context. But I deeply know that you are a practitioner and an expert in that field and that you deeply love students. And so it was such a joy to just... um, just connect with you again and talk about leadership and talk about these really cool, profound little moments in your life that have been additive to who you are and what you do today. Um, mm. And so thank you. It, it, it was such a joy and a pleasure to, to talk with you on this episode. Well, man, it was a joy to be able to connect with you as well. Um, I really do appreciate you and uh, man, have so much respect for you and uh, love for you. And uh, it's just exciting to see where you're at here. So and yeah. the, the job that you're doing both at George Fox, but then also within the podcast, just challenging people to grow mm-hmm. and um, keeping issues out there on the table. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Great work. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, many blessings to you, your family, your team, and, and Moody overall. Um, hopefully it's not too brutally cold out there, but um, um, we'll, uh, I would love to connect more and more uh, at greater frequency in the future. Mm. But um, yeah. That feeling is definitely mutual. Yeah. And so thank you. Yep. All right, Bruce. We'll have a wonderful week. And yeah, I'll be praying for you and uh, especially your your daughter who's having surgery. But many blessings to you. Thank you. All right. Peace to you. All right. See you, Bruce. Take care, man.